Once Upon a Time Season 4 Episode 20 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and I am joined, as always, he just poofed out of the dungeon in which he was hung upside down, chains wrapped around him. It's the one and only Kurt Clark. Kurt, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. You know, like when we, we first started podcasting, all I wanted to do was make you happy. Now, all I want to do is make you proud. Let's let's hug it out now. Let's hug it yeah, out. Thanks for thanks for healing the, the big cut I had on my forehead. The day, the day sex first aid kit. So Kurt, this is a. I mean, there's there's this is a milestone for a variety of reasons, but I feel like one of the things I have to bring up, and as sophomoric as it may be, we have reached episode 420 of Once Upon a Time. Oh, nice. It's like we haven't done 420 episodes, but it's episode 20 of season four, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's something that will never happen again so let's all <laughs> let's all celebrate in your in your individual ways kurt and i will not be celebrating while we'll while we're recording but you do whatever you like and inhale some dragon smoke if you will uh it's also weird that this is like all this episode is all about mothers you want you want to hope that the production order had pushed things back a week so this would have aired on mother's day <laughs> yeah you know what i was gonna say it wasn't exactly feel good but no everything ended up on a feel good note so um you know, I, I blame those. I blame those. Uh, those musical Billboard Music Awards that are happening uh, the, the the week after, weekend after Mother's Day for having to cram everything in really quickly. Damn you, popular music! Uh. So I don't want to <laughs> say it. Say it. I I don't want to to throw dragon dung onto this episode too much throughout. So I'm just gonna put my thoughts right off the bat i i know we keep talking about the pen the penultimate episode of this show it tends to be really awesome and they like to it's very action-packed a lot of things are resolved we did not get that tonight kurt we got a lot of fluff and i think some parts of the fluff were good but at the end of the hour i'm looking through my notes and i'm like besides these like little plot threads being resolved what what actually happened to move the plot along i think that's just it i looking back at last week I'd say last week's episode was the one where everything actually got resolved. I think everything, this was kind of more the, almost more of an epilogue to last week's episode than it was really the, um, the concluding episode of all of the season four storylines. I'd say that really mostly happened in, uh, you know, with last Sunday. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. It just seems like the, the plot threads that we were resolved in this episode. And again, that's, that's, you know, that's Emma, and the feud she had with her parents, and that's the whole Lily and Maleficent thing, and a little bit of the, and I guess I would we would count the Regina stuff in there as well with Operation Mongoose. Uh, the, these were resolved in the episode, so theoretically on paper you would say, oh, that's great, that's three major plot points. But considering that the giant elephant in the room is this whole like author gold evil plan thing, I feel like nothing really happened too too much aside from a lot of people hugging. I'd say yeah, there, there, this was this was a. Uh... Uh, so, uh, episode Sir Hugs a Lot. And um, I'd say the only thing that of import that really happened was Regina figuring out she could use Lily's blood because it had the Savior's uh, dark spirit in it as a substitute for charging the ink. That was really the only thing that happened. And I'm really wondering how come uh gold didn't figure that out much yeah, much earlier that, than regina that's, that's a very like gold-esque loophole that she just that she figured out so i'm yeah. i'm very surprised that uh i'm surprised that that also got brought out so early in the episode too but we got to see some more cgi dragons i don't know this might be the last time we see it as i said a lot of 
hugging beforehand. Let's dive in. Uh, let's jump into this flashback stuff first because as I, as I talked about before, I feel like especially this season, the flashbacks were really used to like service the plot uh, in the main storyline and really like add details in, which was good. That's more in like the season one flashbacks as opposed to like the seasons two and three flashbacks, which really didn't have much to deal with what was going on. I feel like this took a little bit of a step towards that territory just because it was like, it was definitely repeating the same beats for a while of the like, okay, we get it. Cora is evil trying to set Regina up. She, you know, she feels that love is weak. I do. I will say, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I will say, I think the last scene of the flashbacks has an effect on what's going Mm. on in present day storybook. But other than that, it was a lot of like, we 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 know this already. Yeah, I I could except for that last scene uh, where you would which you know supposedly I'm assuming has impact on on Regina until this day. Uh, I could have completely done without this entire flashback sequence. Um, I like Cora as a character. I really like Sheriff of Nottingham as a character. I think it's don't you it's, mean it, Nottingham? <laughs> Not, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is the stupidest nickname, by the way. Nottingham is where you're from. You don't. It's not like, oh yeah, Boston Rob, also known as Boston. <laughs> no, that's Shane. That's Shane Powers. That's Shane Powers. Son, exactly. That's why it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people don't call me Chicago. Um, no, it's it's nice because we don't really. I'm trying to think. Um, I, I think you know, Sheriff Douche. Uh, is is I think a, a new breed of douche that we are now seeing in post show recaps. I think um, I know because we, we had cop douches in the uh, in the uh, Walking Dead. Because, uh, well, because there was before. what? There's, yeah. there's there's what we have going through the gamut here. We have cabin douche, right? There yeah. was sandwich douche. I remember from I've only listened to a couple of the uh, Daredevil recaps, but I remember sandwich douche being brought up. Yeah. Uh, we have sheriff douche. There was uh, there was there was cop douche in Walking Dead as well. Um, but yeah, this this uh, sheriff douche. Uh, I liked I liked Sheriff of Nottingham as a, as a character, and it was it was fun to see him. And it was fun to see Cora again. But overall, I could have completely done without this flashback. But if we didn't have it, I I don't know what would have taken up the time in this episode. Maybe some some fun with the author as he experiments with the ink a little bit, maybe so we can actually see something happening before it gets to his big scene at the end. But um, yeah, just you know, I didn't need more of because it's one of those things where. Every time we flash back to the Enchant Forest and we see Regina, it's a it's like we have to then kind of pay attention to well, when in yeah. Regina's storyline in the forest is this taking place? Okay, she's coming upon some villagers. It looks like she's the queen. Okay, it's after we finally learned it was you know her her dad's still alive, so the the dark curse uh, she hasn't taken his heart yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do it's after Cora has been banished, so it's like this little guessing game that you're always playing whenever we go back to the forest with Regina, and it almost takes away a little bit, I think, for me from enjoying the plot. Um, so I, I'm I'm just wondering if we're gonna have. I hope I hope we're done with with flashbacks to that point in time. I I think we might be for. A while, at least, depending on how this is received. I mean, it, considering this flashback was purely just to, I, I don't know if this even deepened the relationship between Regina and Cora. Maybe complicated it a tiny bit. Specifically, again, that scene at the end that we'll talk about. But I feel like again, this is this is well trodden territory, and I think the writers just had to kind of solve for something. Something that I would have loved to see as a flashback would have been a sort of like 
you know, we, we got glimpses of the author in the Cruella flashback, but I would love to see mm-hmm. just stuff going on from his perspective. Maybe not mm-hmm. even like how his writing mechanisms work. I will say one thing too, that it's, it's a little weird to me that the author has not kind of become his own big bad. That's what I thought was going to happen was like, you know, I thought he was going to go not mm-hmm. skipping too far ahead to the end of the episode, but I thought he was going to go to gold and like show him the ink and then like stand up with the ink and walk out the door. You know, I thought, I thought he was totally going to morph into the big bad since it seemed like they were talking about that when the, when he wasn't there, but it seems like he's will, completely willing to be like both Regina and Gold's puppy. Yeah, he, that, that, that's true. He, I, I completely agree. And there were some interesting conversations where he was kind of saying, you know, we, we hear him talking to Regina and I'm listening to him. I'm not completely buying what he's saying. I, I, I think what you're saying makes complete sense. It's I, I look thinking now is like I almost expected him to. Um, once he was kind of free of Regina and, you know, go off and do his own thing. But no, he will, as, as we'll see, goes back to gold willingly. Um, but it would have been interesting to see him be kind of a, a, another big bad that we end up exploring in season five. Mm-hmm. So just, just, uh, kind of tiptoeing through some of these flashback events, as you talked about yeah. Regina scouting out a wedding. Uh, she kills the groom, which is very Westeros of her. I mean, yeah. she, was, she was years ahead of her time uh, and we find out that she is uh, very angry on this day because the it is the death day death anniversary of daniel but when she goes to his grave she finds her mother now let's try to figure out the the chronology of this kurt since we oh, no. watched season two not so long ago so i'm trying to remember if this whole cora got rescued by a white rabbit thing is Yes, it is true. Because I was, I, for a second, I was confusing her with, with, with when Regina went to Wonderland with Jefferson, and she took her father back. But no, I remember now. I think, correct me if I'm wrong here. Regina sent Hook and Cora to Wonderland, and she like magically enchanted the Hook to kill Cora. But then Cora convinced Hook to work for her, and that's how they went. That's how they got into cahoots for season two. I'm going to have to buy I, all, all I remember. And again, it is, it's only a blur because we watched like all, you know, 60 plus episodes of seasons one through three in a manner of weeks. Um, you know, she was banished through the looking glass by Regina. And, you know, I don't think we see necessarily, I can't remember if we saw how Cora ended up escaping. And she says with the help of a rabbit, um, like I said, I don't know if that was something that was done in once upon a time wonderland. It I was. Yeah. That's, it, it, yeah. I hear that's, that's yet another portal method we can add to the list. Yeah, rabbits. Um, so yeah, I, you know what? I it's one of those things where it's happened so many times, and I was starting to get a headache thinking about it. That I just, I'm just going, I'm just taking it for granted that it's that the writers are handling the logic and the timelines in the correct way, and it's not something that I have to think about. So yeah, what you diehard fans out there, if you have time over the summer, somebody needs to create the chronologically lost equivalent for Once Upon a Time, specifically for the flashback <laughs> episode, so we can get everything in context, because it's just, it is tough. <laughs> it is it's, it is not an easy job yeah. trying, to, trying to remember all this stuff, especially I, since you said, Kurt, we watched all 60 episodes in a blur together. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to wish that upon the super fans to do that. I mean, we saw what Lily's board looked like in her room uh, last last episode. I don't want any of our... Uh, any of our listeners to potentially get them in a Lily-like mindset where they kind of explore their uh, their their anti-savior side and have to actually go into conspiracy theory mode and put together a pin board of connected index cards with pieces of yarn. It's like it's it's like I 
I think we all just will be happier if we accept the fact that the off, that the writers found a little hole in the timeline where they could have Quora come back and, and without causing too many ripples. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm maybe Lily's the perfect person to recruit for the job. Actually, there maybe not because I don't know what's going to happen if she gets a paper cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She tends to she tends to she needed the the Deus Ex first aid kit to help out with that. So. Cora basically talks about how she ended up meeting up with Tinkerbell off camera who kind of recounted to her this whole misconnection thing with Robin Hood and so she is on a mission to find uh, to reconcile them so she goes to the tavern where she meets the sheriff of Nottingham and he kind of gives their whole story about you know Robin Hood is this uh, sanctimonious blowhard who is unfortunately married but Cora has this plan to have Nottingham masquerade as Robin Hood. And this is, you know, we, we didn't get in. I remember in Belle's storyline, her fiance was named Gaston, but we haven't really gotten a character who, who has acted like the Disney character of Gaston on the show until the Sheriff of Nottingham. I feel like he's the yes. perfect representation of that. Yes. Sheriff douche. And, um, I just said the when, when Cora goes to Regina and says, I, you know, I tracked down your love and we see somebody walking in. I knew immediately what was going on. Oh yeah. I, was, oh, I mean, absolutely. She took the, sh- I mean, just, we see the, before we even see the feet, I'm like, she took the sheriff and she gave him a fake tattoo. And I'm like, this is like saved by the bell levels of trickery. Like this is something screech would come up with. Yep. But it's like, you know, he loses someone's dog, but the replaces it with the, you know, with a fake dog that, that has kind of the same markings. And I was like, Oh, this is not this. Yeah. This, this seemed like, 80s sitcom levels of trickery. I mean, it is ABC. They're like, all right, we got to rely on some. Uh, let's pull out the uh, TGIF plot dartboard and let's see what Cora can do. Uh, oh, Cora uh, has two dates to the dance. No, let's <laughs> let's save that for the finale. All right, uh, how about he gives a fake tattoo? Yeah, yeah. It's so that, that's why I was like, I was like, uh, groan. But you know, let's let's see where this goes because we know that Regina is going to see through it. I mean, I think that's one of the the downsides of trying to rely on these flashbacks too much is because they happen before events where we already know the outcome. We already know that she doesn't get together with Robin Hood. We already know that she's not with the sheriff in a happily ever after sort of situation. So like the moment we even see the feet coming up, we can kind of project ahead 15 minutes into the storyline and see how it goes. I think for me, that takes away a little bit of the fun. But I was willing to sit back and see just how badly she freaked out. I don't know. Could could you really project 50 minutes ahead to where Regina animates his tattoo to torture him into revealing information? Yeah, definitely. That's classic Regina. That was uh, <laughs> that was a little scary. You know, I was watching The Mummy on TV yesterday, and it reminded me a little bit of like those scarabs that crawled under that one guy's skin and crawled into his brain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yes, definitely. The, the flesh eating. Um yeah, you know, it was you know torture by tattoo, uh, which is a little bit redundant, but uh, yeah, it, aren't, uh, aren't tattoos torture enough? Yeah, to the yeah. human body. <laughs> I just don't like needles, so I don't think I could ever get get one. Um, but yeah, it's uh, he he gives up the goods pretty quickly once that line comes to life. Yeah, absolutely. And I will think I'll say like around now is when the storyline starts to get interesting, uh, specifically when when Nottingham reveals that. Cora wants Regina to have a child. And of course, Regina is immediately she going along again with this whole thing of heroes and villains. She says, you know, my, I know my mother's evil. She must be doing this in order to kill me. And then 
have her pull a Cersei Lannister and kind of rule the throne uh, behind my child. And so she kind of concocts this plan. She makes her own uh, her own unfortunate po- potion, and uh, it all ends up very very tragic for her when it turns out that that wasn't the case. And I I thought that was well done. And I'm sure let's we can dive more into this scene right now. But I'd say overall, I think the payoff on that again, specifically reverberating back to what was going on in the present moment actually panned out really nicely. Yeah, it's, it, it, it all ended up being a relevant message to carry forward into the present. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I always wonder in Once Upon a Time if like, you know, for example, if, if Zelina's like, you're just like your mother, does she have this, this, this flashback to that exact moment? And she's like, oh, right. I remember when mother, when I drank the potion and, you know, mother said that I was the only one standing in the way of myself and then it flashes her back to reality. Yeah, it's and I'm wondering like to, to what extent, you know, are we supposed it's it's hard not to dissociate the emotional state of the character in the flashback to their current state in the present. So we always see whenever we go to one of these flashbacks with Agena, she's always in the evil queen mode and she's you know, pretty much always, you know, angry and upset. And so I think the moment we like flash forward again and we see Regina, I'm still carrying a little bit of the vestment of that emotion in my mind and thinking, oh, she's she's ticked off. But now she's usually fine. Yeah, usually. So maybe maybe that my theory is uh, shot down and that people are not they're not doing a Scrubs esque like look up into the right and remember that one moment and then whip <laughs> yourself back into the scene. Little little Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Yes. So I'm also wondering, you talked about how Cora was banished to Wonderland. I'm wondering why Regina didn't do that now. And instead she just did the, the, the teenager lashing out and said, like, get out of my life. Yeah, I was kind of expecting this to be like, if last she, last she heard at this point in time, like if you're kind of looking at this, this, this timeline where the authors, the writers of the series are looking to insert a scene and you kind of pick a moment in time where Regina knows that Cora's in Wonderland and be on the looking glass, then you would kind of expect that the condi- the quote-unquote condition of Korra at the beginning and end of the episode would be the same, meaning she comes through the looking glass to, to encounter Regina at the beginning. I was very much expecting her to also end up there at the end, so just so that to, to maintain some sort of continuity. But, eh, <laughs> guess not. Yeah, no, uh, guess not. I, I, I want to just touch briefly again on, on this line. The only one standing in the way of your happiness is you. And I think, again, as much as I disparage this episode, I really enjoyed the last, like, five minutes of it just because, you know, we've had this beaten to our heads for the past, you know, 10 or so episodes about how, oh, villains, the ending's written for them. They have to change their own... They have to write their own happy endings. And then to have Regina kind of come to the epiphany of, like, no... It's really the my actions that are getting in the way of my own happy ending is a is a fun way to kind of combat this whole fate thing that we've been talking about the past couple of episodes. So again, maybe kind of an inconsequential flashback, but I thought the last scene had brought a lot of gravity to it. Yeah, I had thought when she she I kind of start to see a little bit where she's going. Like she first holds up a liquid, and I'm like, okay, she poisoned her mother, um, but then she gets talking and. It's like, oh, that's a uh, that's a no more babies potion. Uh, um, I thought she drank it already because you know there was only yeah there was like a shot worth in there. <laughs> I was like, I was like, whoa, she's kind of already committed to this. And then when we kind of learned that uh, that she hadn't yet drank it, because when Cora starts saying no, please don't drink it, 
and Regina doesn't give her immediately, oh, I already drank it, mom. Um, I was then that's like, okay, there's actually some, there's a chance here for Cora to turn things around, which she can't. And yeah, it's, uh, she, she chugs it and, uh, bye bye. <laughs> yep. And the consequences are dire. Uh, as, as it's, it's, you know, it's part of the, it's, it's, we could kind of echo it in the, the way of that, that the Charmings, you know, what they did to Maleficent and how they misconstrue things and how it causes irreparable damage literally to, uh, Regina and the fact that she, until she adopts Henry, she does not have a child, but let's, let's jump into the present here. And before we get to Storybrooke, let's, let's tie things up here in New York as Regina and Robin have just like their little casual conversation in a New York bar about how everything has gone insane. Yeah. And and it, I'm trying to like kind of suss out through this entire scene who's feeling what and who's ready to give up. And like at first it seems like Robin's like upset that he can't do anything, but really he's mostly upset about what his son's going to think. And then Regina recommends a forgetting potion. And I start going all, you know, you you can't have magic without consequences. Um, So like if if that ends up happening, that's probably not going to go well. Um, And, but no, it turns out Robin is really upset at, Zelina and believes but believes that they can still have their happy ending together. Yeah, and I will say I'd say before that like Roland has seen a lot of crazy stuff <laughs> in his day, but I think this might be the the topper. I kind of do agree with Robin here that like if you yeah. had to go up to his son and say, "Hey, uh remember m- mommy? Well, actually this woman murdered her and has been masquerading as her and now we're going to have a sister with her." Is a uh, it's it's pretty traumatizing but i will say to kind of contrast that that i still i we know we talked about this last week i i get robin's whole honor integrity you know his his code and everything trying to to help everyone as much as he can and be the hero but i mean he's admitted like well this is a sticky wicket i've gotten myself into it's like you <laughs> you can easily remedy this situation you you're going to make yourself miserable if you have to stay in a marriage with this woman just because you got her pregnant under completely incorrect circumstances. Yeah, it's and but Regina's also saying, you know, that child is going to be and will always be an insurmountable barrier to our happiness. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't have to be like that. No, how many how many babies <laughs> have we seen in Once Upon a Time that after they're born get like sent away to a magical realm? Couldn't you just do the same thing with that baby? Oh, Mike Bloom. <laughs> or, or just, or you know, give the baby, put the baby in an orphanage, get rid of Zelina, or have Zelina has the baby, get rid of Zelina, put the baby in the orphanage, and say like, okay, great, this baby will now have loving parents, or even adopt, like you know, Zelina's an unfit mother, adopt it yourself. I mean, she's already open to adoption. We know that no, exactly. I'm, she's Henry's she, not Henry's not hers. She's one for one at this point. Yeah, and you know, that's you know, she can open up the you know, Regina the mayor's you know revolving door adoptions or after i don't know um but I, I i see absolutely no reason for the robin's child to be a barrier you know it's robin's you know zelina's an unfit mother uh probably gonna get all sorts of letters about that sorry sorry listeners but just you know take the baby and raise it as your own it is robin's baby so it's it's only gonna 
you know, it, it's it's only half evil. <laughs> Could you imagine the custody trial for that? Uh, Your Honor, she was, you see, she was magically disguised as my wife, but she really wasn't my wife. She's actually the Wicked Witch of the West, so I, I think I deserve full custody of the child. But given that thing, the only lawyer in town was Prince... Was it was David's father, and then he was killed by a werewolf back in season two or three or whatever. Uh, I'm even not sure where they would go to court for that. Did, was it, did was he? It, was he? Was he killed by the werewolf? I think that he was. I think that he was. That he and Gus, the uh, mechanic, the mouse, were both victims of the uh, the werewolf. I think. No, he no he killed Gus and tried to blame it on Ruby. I, th- oh, I thought he. I thought he later was killed. No, I think he's. Uh, um, I think he's. He's one of. He's one of these like. You know, uh, Ruby or the dwarves or uh, or Mr. Hopper of like they're 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 in the town. They're just on the other side of the camera, and we don't see them. Yeah, it's like the equivalent the equivalent of a Minkus and Mr. Turner in Boy Meets World being like in the corner that nobody watches. It's yeah. I'm 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 more upset that we haven't seen any any dwarves lately. But let's not. Who knows? We might. I mean, it seems like we're doing a little bit of retcon here in the in the season finale. We might see dwarves again. Oh, good, good. Stealthy might be alive. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> so we flash back to story. Uh, so I mean, before we go back to storybook, they they're hanging out at the apartment. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure everyone's implemented a hands off policy now that Zelina's announced she's pregnant. But Regina comes in and says, "Like, guess what? We're all going back to Storybrooke together." Which I guess they can do. I guess since Regina has the scroll, they can just. I don't know how this this spell worked when Robin and Roland and Marion left that they like couldn't come back, but I guess they can now. Yeah, it, it's it's. Um, I guess I guess if yeah. goals could come back, maybe maybe they could. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's. I I'm just I'm watching and nodding along here, so it's it's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's move to something simpler, Kurt. Let's talk bagels. Yeah. Yes. Is this it, is this another food that we're adding to the list for uh, watch parties? Yeah, I've got a long list for our finale viewing next week, and uh, I I am also confused by bagels, much much like Isaac. So. What about our uh, charred hearts on the list as well? I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I you really know, hope. A nice charred heart could be good, but probably not hooks. I'm probably golds. I should say hook is the one that comes in and sort of neener neener neeners at him and says like well guess what emma didn't turn evil so i guess your plan is gone yeah you're never gonna get your happiness now and but you know gold does say here that he thinks there's a loophole to getting the ink that they need and i'm wondering if he you know if here he has also pieced together the little uh, the lily angle I kind of knew that was going to be a tongue twister before it came out of my mouth. So I had to pause and enunciate the Lily angle. Um, and so I'm just wondering if, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, if he just did not get a chance to enact or take advantage of that loophole. That's probably what it before, is. Yeah. Before, before Regina thought the exact same thing. You know, I will say that this whole like dark and hard thing reminds me. I don't know if you ever saw broadchurch kurt or grace point the equivalent of the u.s but david Tennant's character has uh, a very he has a heart condition but it's very similar in terms of like 
the camera effect of like will jilt a little bit. It's almost like glitching too on Orphan Black, where like flashes will happen and he just stops. So I think uh, these these literal heart conditions are kind of all represented the same on TV nowadays. Yeah, just uh, it's it's the uh, the sixties equivalent of shaking the camera and stumbling to the side for like yeah, Star exactly. Trek. It's, it's, it's the Cloverfield. Yes, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so now that Delina doesn't have magic. Uh, which is weird. Uh, I mean, I guess she went along because Robin went along. But if I was Alina, couldn't she just say no? <laughs> like, here, come w- come with me to this town where you won't have magic. No. <laughs> I mean, that that could have been like you know, 15 minutes instead of the flashback where it's like them figuring out a way to get Zelina out of New York City without her creating a fuss. Yeah, well, they, they might have blown all the budget on the road trip last week and the CGI dragon this week. So they, they just said, all right, they, and they got there. That's true. It seemed like she was willing to go along, I guess. Um, to even, like, follow her down to the insane asylum. Yeah, and it's... it's so I think it's, it's official. I, it, I think I'd always been wondering before if the... It always seemed like this was kind of a secret place beneath the hospital, but I think yeah. it's, 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 I think it's more publicly known now. It's the, I'm thinking maybe I'm not completely sure. Well, I'm, but it, yeah, it, I, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, so the hosp- the normal hospital is upstairs and then the insane asylum is downstairs and there are windows in the insane asylum. So it's not like, I mean, it's, it's a, like a garden level <laughs> insane asylum. We're not animals. <laughs> we'll give them windows. Yeah. Um, and that same, ner- that same nurse is there. And I think I want to know her story because like, like, who is she? What was she? Um, I think that's the same. It looks like she's like something like yanked from the 1950s. Well, and just still kind of working there. Well, I, I mean, I feel like it's a direct reference to one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but maybe there's Fresh another, ratchet. there's another realm of one flew over the cuckoo's nest that we just don't know about. Yeah, I do like that. There's another reference to Dr. Whale in yes. this episode and how he gives the finest care this side of the fictional Alps. Uh, so kind of a little bit of a reference to his uh, his uh, Dr. Frankenstein alter ego in one of the other realms. Uh, so I think that was a, f- a fun little a fun little note that we got there. Yeah, it does seem, though, that that place was a lot more cleaned up. And I mean, Zelina had a pretty big room as well. I don't know. I don't know. I have not visited many uh, mental facilities, I should say. And I, I don't know exactly what the accommodations are like, but I would assume that it's not as roomy as what Zelina got. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, if it's the same. Um, I wonder if it's if it's the same cell that uh, that Bell was in. Yeah, well, because oh, who else? We saw Bell, and then I remember Jefferson was the one that broke her out right at the end of season one. Was there someone else that was? Oh, and Sydney Glass. I think he's still down there. Yeah, Maybe? there was there. Well, he may still be down there. He definitely was there because I still remember in like one of our recaps from season three, I think I questioned, you know, there was someone whose name was S glass on one of the doors. And I was trying to remember who was that. I was like, yeah, that's, that's Sydney. Forget about that. Sydney was in there. Yeah. I, I, he, I forget if, again, this has been a long season. I don't remember. I think he made at least one cameo in this season. So maybe he's out or maybe they just, he was on a note on vac on leave or something from the insane asylum, but he's yeah. Zelina will have people to, hang out with but we go to the pawn shop where gold is uh as we talked about before gold is trying to find some black magic to put we, we found out a little bit more about the ink this episode in terms of the reason why emma was so important was because her dark deeds literally served as the ink 
for the the writing that the author would do. Kurt, what what did you think about that? Um, you know, it you know, the way that, the, the way that I kind of understood it was that because the good savior was almost literally the author of the fates of everybody who are currently living in Storybrooke. So she, because everybody's lives now are a direct result of her intervention, that only her intervention can cause those lines of fate, whatever you want to call them, to be reversed. And to do that, you kind of need the dark side of the good savior. And so that, that's kind of how I was like figuring things out in my mind. Uh, so it seems to make sense to me that at least it explains everything. And the reason why gold's been doing everything he's been doing is that, yeah, the, if good savior is the cause for all the events now to undo the events. Now you need the flip side of the savior, which would be dark savior or dark, dark savior blood. <laughs> I like this. Is like a, is this like a milk chocolate, dark chocolate type of thing? Yeah, yeah exactly. White, white chocolate, dark chocolate. Yeah, could be. Oh, well, the white chocolate isn't really chocolate. Not, it's, it's, it's like cacao, correct. I think. Yeah, it's not actually chocolate. So it's if you have a, you have a chocolate allergy, you can still eat white chocolate. <laughs> says says the doctor curse <laughs> wow you're just as good as dr whale <laughs> and, you know podcast 25 podcast listeners turn up in cardiac arrest because 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 fake chocolate advice given to them by yeah uh, so if you are allergic well, to chocolate to, don't to, take my word for to it to be fair you're you have more credibility at this point than dr oz so you have that going for you that's true it is really yeah don't if yeah if you are allergic to chocolate don't eat white chocolate just on my say so. Do a little research <laughs> yourself. But I'm sure if you are allergic, you probably know that already. It's not chocolate. So allergy talks aside, uh, allergy, wow. as, as we talked about, as we talked about before, Regina ends up appearing and ends up kind of taking the author and the quilt for herself while Gold is just there, like writhing around, dying on the ground. But she takes him to the crypt to kind of regroup and figure out yeah. what's going on. Isaac kind of recaps to her that well, since we've lost Emma, we're we've kind of screwed the pooch here, and I don't mean. Uh, Cruella's minions, but we have a little bit of talk here about the the extra page or the missing page or whatever we want to call it at this point. And the author makes an interesting choice of words here that he says he said it was like experimental writing, right? That he like it was something that he was working on for a while. What what do we make of this? Do you think there's just he just is it was just a draft of one of his follow up stories? I'd say this is one of the few things in this episode. Um, that is potentially, I think, a, a new question that arises that has potential to lead into either the last episode of the season or, or be a plot point in season five. I thought this was really interesting. I didn't know what to make of it. So, yeah, he said it was it was some experimental writing that he was doing for a book that he never got to write. And so, like, first of all, that raises the question of, well, what's the difference between writing something down on a sheet of paper like, you know, the author vanishes and suddenly goes to Mr. Gold's uh, versus writing something in a book. So, yeah. And I went, so that's, I think that's, it was some experimental writing, but he never actually got to write it in a book. I don't know what the difference is yet. And maybe we'll learn what some of those, you know, we've, we've had enough rules for portals. Uh, maybe we're going to get rules for book writing. Um, and then he also say that he can't explain it himself, except that someone must be looking out for her. And, I think that's kind of the question is, you know, how did that page come about if the author did not actually do it? Um, then this went into kind of an interesting conversation about how 
the author explains that he's always been a big fan of hers. She's one of the, uh, uh, well, she's one of, he's one of her biggest fans. Um, yeah, that's a little weird. That's like a little misery esque. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also wasn't quite, he's like, I'd be happy to write whatever you want. I wasn't completely buying what he was selling at the, at, I mean, it seems as, as events bear out that, you know, perhaps he is completely willing to write whatever she wants, but he seemed to be laying it on awfully thick and I wasn't necessarily buying that he was being completely legitimate with her. Yeah. I, again, this guy is still really hard to read. And I think it's a, an unfortunate consequence of that. We've only really seen him do anything for like four episodes. And in those episodes, he's done things in maybe like half the episode at most. So we really don't know too yeah. much about him. I'm wondering if this whole extra page thing is like, part of why he got in trouble with the Sorcerer's and the Sorcerer's Apprentice. You know, he was sort of writing all of these what-if endings that were on loose-leaf pages that weren't exactly attached to what was in the book, and that's what he got in trouble for, was kind of trying to change these stories. I mean, maybe we'll find out, but that's just my theory yeah. at the moment. Could be. Yeah, I'm not completely sure. It's, as like I said, I for a episode that seemed to be kind of a lot of storylines kind of petering out, I did like that this was kind of a, a spark for something that could be interesting down the road. Yeah, I think I think we're going to find a lot about these writing rules next week. Uh, specific, specifically, I think our heroes need to find out about them in order to break whatever new reality is going to transpire. But yeah. hopefully we'll find out some more about it. Or maybe they'll carry over into season five. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the episode, I'm sure. Yeah. When we get to the... well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to remember how much of what I saw. I'm trying to remember how much of it was at the very end of the episode and how much was in previews that partially got cut off by the DVR. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think there's enough at the very end of the episode for us to conjecture about next week without getting into previews. Yeah. Well, we'll try to stay as spoiler free as possible. Yeah. Yep. So let's, let's go to the bus stop here. We'll talk about the whole <laughs> Moody Lily later, but Regina is pretty... I mean, Zelina is kind of right. Regina was showing a lot of shades of Cora in this episode, uh, and she kind of was last episode, too, when she, you know, was assaulting Zelina to get what she wanted. But here, Regina is, you know, sweet-talking Lily and trying to bond with her, and as she does so, she gets into a good pocket. She pulls out a knife and just takes her blood and disappears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all she really needed. Yep, she, um, has, she has the uh, equivalent tact of those uh, people you meet south of the border that knock you out and steal you one of your kidneys. I've still got both, thankfully. Um, yeah, yeah, Lily, for all the research she's done, she hasn't really learned that that's not how you talk to Regina. Yeah, you would think that, like, oh, yes, I, well, maybe, I mean, again, I don't, she's seen, she hasn't seen pictures of anyone but Emma, but actually, no, she met Regina, right? So she she knows at least a little bit yeah. about her. You would think like, oh, she's the evil queen. Probably shouldn't listen to what she's saying and take it at face value. Uh, never mind. I'm moody. I hate my mom. I'll just I'll just talk to this lady. Yeah. And I, I like that she's uh, you might be waiting here at the bus stop for a while. The schedules, it, the, they're, it's a little spotty in terms of how reliable our public transportation yeah, is. There's, they, a, tra there's a train that we only see once every four seasons. So. Exactly. Well, you <laughs> can hop on this train here. I'll just let me park my car on the train tracks. So that's when it usually comes around and then just hop on when you're ready. Well, no, she has to wait till season eight for the train to come by again. Unfortunately. Yes. It's, 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 it's the Haley, it's the Haley's Comet of trains. Season eight, the uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest season. Yeah. Uh, so after Regina, you know, is able to bottle some ink, she goes directly to the insane asylum with Zelina. And as soon as she went to her and said, like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have the author write 
this new story and you're going to watch. I was predicting Zelina to outsmart her in some sort of way because that's total, you know, pride cometh before a fall. Like she would, I, I've thought that Regina would totally uh, mess up that opportunity and Zelina would somehow get control of the author. But no, I mean, things end up reversing in a different way and that's at Regina's own hand. But uh, luckily there wasn't, this wasn't some sort of deceptive thing where, which was very prevalent in season three, I feel like. We're like, they're like, okay, we got you this time, Zelina. But now we're going to, it's basically like the Austin Powers thing of like, we're going to, but we're going to yeah. close the door. <laughs> Let me tell you my super villain plan. Yep. You can't, you can't <laughs> monologue, man. These people have not learned from syndrome. Yeah. It's, um, I was, I was fully expecting, um, that, <laughs> And I don't know how this would work, that she was going to have the author magically transfer the baby from Zelina to her own womb. <laughs> and suddenly Regina was pregnant. Yes, the test results were wrong. Bit wrong and uh, <laughs> Dr. Whale comes down like it's a miracle. <laughs> exactly. I was I was expecting the uh, some sort of baby transfer. <laughs> well, no, no baby transfer. Maybe Regina is not that creative uh she basically i think she just basically wants to write zelina out of the story right so that and i'm i guess from what we realize i guess one of the writing rules that we've kind of gleaned here is that if someone's written out of the story nobody remembers them is that correct yeah it's yeah it's like an eraser type thing where it's it's if you look at the events of storybook or the world literally as a, a story uh the author would have the ability to basically edit and redact the person from even having been mentioned so they're just kind of be this hole in people's memories and uh it's kind of a little bit like you know what um uh ingrid this the ice the snow queen did to did to emma in terms of not remembering that they had that encounter in the ice cream shop and and things like that but um uh it yeah, it, basically, she would just be completely gone from all plot elements. If you look back at you know any of the Once Upon a Time wikis, there'd be no mention of Zelina whatsoever. That's the first <laughs> thing that happens. The, you see this this magical effect fall over the Once Upon a Time wiki of pages, and you see Zelina's article disappear. Or it says like this page yeah. is a stub. You can you can expand it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know then if like all related plots would disappear. Like it'd be like, why did I go to Oz again? What was Someone was a real pain in the ass there, uh, but I can't remember who. <laughs> or, yeah. would that, or, or would like that whole subplot have been gone? So I'm not sure of the the details. But uh, basically, yeah, the it says if the person never even existed in the first place. So again, speaking of like timing of flashback and present scenes, there's actually a really nice parallel here where when when Regina brings this plan up, uh, Zelina asks, you know, says that she's bluffing and that she's not going to do it, which directly parallels when Regina says she's going to drink that shot of. Uh, baby away and and Cora says that she's bluffing though of course in that case she ends up going through with it here she changes course yeah it um yeah I and it's if we can you know, look at how this, this conversation continues I think it was you know on the heels of us seeing that flashback you know is when we hear Zelina saying to to Regina that you know if you did that, you know, I never got to meet, you know, our mother, but I feel like I'm looking at her right now. And that really, I think hits home for Regina. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about this epiphany. I think we'll save the, the stuff of the author until the very end of the podcast. Yeah. I know we have a bunch of other points to hit, but I want to talk about this Regina epiphany, which admittedly is a little cheesy, but I actually kind of enjoyed it about how what she kind of, her, her mother's words resonate with her that the, 
that it wasn't, you know, the author that was condemning the villain to have the unhappy ending. It was her own doing. And so she, she had kind of comes to this realization. I might be misquoting her, but she says that, you know, her happy ending wasn't being with Robin hood. It was just being a part of a world where she was accepted. Yeah. And now she's done that and she's found her happy ending. But I'd love to get your opinion on this, Kurt. Did you feel like it was a cop out? Did you enjoy it overall? Was it too heartwarming for you? Did I enjoy it? Uh, It, one thing I thought was, Zelina just successfully saved her ass. Um, like she, yeah, I don't she, know, yeah. <laughs> she, she, she literally like went from being like about to be voted out of tribal council to suddenly finding herself with immunity. I mean, yeah, to, well, to well, that parallel was, she, our she, other world. Yeah. yeah. She, she pulled out, she pulled out an idol or she pulled out her fake idol. She was, <laughs> she was bluffing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how much of it was an actual epiphany by Regina or how much of it was a fear that she was turning into her mom. Um, but I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I'll buy it. It, it. Although it was one of several kind of cheesily heartwarming things that the season ended with. And I wouldn't know if I call it heartwarming to, to be honest, but it was um, uh, her, her finding good and at terms and at peace with everything, everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, I think I would have liked to have seen something in between. So not having Zelina written out, not having nothing done, but maybe having a baby transfer. Can we have a baby transfer? <laughs> You're really pushing the baby transfer here, Kurt. Yes. I'm, yeah, Imagine. I'm, Go. I'm, pro- I mean, I'm going to say I'm, I'm probably a, a bit higher on it than you are, not just because of the episode production number. I, I, I'd say that, I don't know. I, I, I admit, again, it, it is cheesy, but I do like, again, this was a season long storyline. I would even call it maybe even a series long storyline for Regina about her basically saying, woe is me. I'm always the villain. I'm always the victim. I, I need to change my fate. The the powers that be have it against me and all, and all the talk that the author has about someone's watching out for you. I just love, again, since I'm, I'm really keen on this fate theme, I really love this idea of her kind of realizing I need to, there is this free will in storybook. I need to kind of take my fate into my own hands. My actions are going to directly lead to the consequences that ensue. So as a result, you know, I do feel a little bad that Robin Hood was standing right next to her when she said, oh, yeah, being with you wasn't my happy ending. Uh, but apparently he was still fine with it because they end up uh, making out. Yeah, it's um, as long as the writers don't suddenly revert to, uh, you know, evil Regina in season five. Yeah, um, but I think, you know, they they did a really good job of, I think putting down a path for Regina to follow in season four that leads logically to this point. I mean, there are lots of points where she's basically telling people, um, yeah, I know it looks like I'm being tempted with darkness by, you know, going undercover with this, this trio of evil villains, but trust me, I know what I'm doing and I'm not going to revert. And, you know, throughout she pretty much stuck to that. Um, and so it's, it, I, I think that, Again, as long as the writers keep Regina in this general area and don't have her revert back to woe is me, uh, I'll, I'll be happy. I, and I will say uh, in that scene, Zelina had a very fun meta moment when, you know, Raman comes in and she says, like, oh, great. Another woman defining her happiness relative <laughs> relative to a man, which I know is a big complaint of the Disney princesses, even back during the Disney Renaissance. So I'm happy they, they threw a little shade at that. Yeah, to uh, to 
just listened to uh, Josh Wiggler's uh, Avengers podcast today. And it, again, that, that seems to, to, to pull a word that came up a lot in their podcast. Uh, that seems to be a common trope in fairy tales and in the stories of D- Disney princesses. And it was nice to see them turn that trope on its head. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, we'll, we'll save the ending for a later point. Yeah. Let's let's tie up some loose threads here. We have Emma. We have the Charmings. We have Maleficent. Uh, it all let's. It's all kind of a culminating scene that starts all this stuff off when the bug pulls back into town, and we kind of <laughs> we have this like kind of slow mo esque, you know, Emma reuniting with her family, and we get our nice before you know everything gets made up. We have our nice quota of Emma really being really really awkward around her parents in terms of like she hugs henry she kisses hug and then she just like waves at her parents the moment that she like so i see that she hugs she hugs uh henry and and then she hugs hook i'm like oh oh how is she gonna read i was like i was so excited i was so happy it was the most excited i was probably the entire episode was 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 waiting to see how she was going to to uh to react to her parents after she got done hugging Henry and then and then Hook and I I was literally on the edge of my seat laughing hysterically when she just like stopped short and then kept walking yeah and I, well, I, was I, like, I think I think Mary Margaret also approached oh. her and she recoiled a little bit too yeah. I, I was laughing so hard that they're still sticking with that uh, yeah um, I, I love I love those moments but thank the sorcerer that they got that they stopped that this episode because i don't know even though it was only two more episodes of the season i don't think i could fathom more more of those moments more of a yeah i think we would have had to have another one-on-one between you know regina telling her to stop acting like a petulant six-year-old um but the flip side of that one it was it was weird it was i was really touched by just the the shots of maleficent standing there with you know watery eyes waiting for you know lily to get out of the car just expectantly waiting for and i was and that was a moment i was really looking forward to and it's just a shame that it was such so drastically a counterpoint to this hysterical laughter between between mary margaret and emma but even then i was really touched by the the when Emma introduces Lily to to Maleficent, I was I was I was happy to see that. Yeah, and this was this was one of the the things that I I really enjoyed about the episode as well is, is this whole mother daughter dynamic between Maleficent and Lily. Though uh, I think I forgot in the in the seven days between we podcasted how much of a brat adult Lily is. You know, I had thought that I had thought that maybe when because we see Emma and Lily go at it, and then Emma like stops short of you know going all Pulp Fiction on her, um, or Reservoir Dogs. What, what, any, I was going to say, Pulp Fiction, does she, she, accidentally, she accidentally shoots Lily? <laughs> and they had to take her to Harvey Keitel? <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the, uh, um, pick your Tarantino movie, but she, she stops just short. And they seem to have like this you know, heart-to-heart sitting on like a fallen tire or telephone pole or something on the side of the road. And I thought that like coming away from that conversation post-conflict last episode, that Lily was going to be like, Okay, no, I get it. We're going to a place where people actually kind of, where I actually have a role, and people yeah. kind of know of me at least. Like, and so I was very surprised at how um, complete one eighty from that conversation with Emma at the end of, end of last week. Maybe it was just suddenly seeing the charmings, and that this this caused this rage to well up inside of her. But uh, yeah, just 
we can't just blame the sorcerer's apprentice for all this because he's the one that got the flame going in there yeah it's interesting though because like and it's not like a situation you know they compare lily to emma's first situation when she enters storybrook at a later time but like remember that emma grew up without ever really having parents lily at least one of the things that kind of drove her around apart was that lily had a family for a good portion of time so it's not like she's grown up without a mother so it doesn't stem from that i think it's like you said i think you know when lily and maleficent sit down for the first time lily's like okay how are we getting revenge and so i think lily's just been fixated on this idea of getting back at that couple and once she finds out that maleficent's kind of gone soft uh which i guess I guess eliminates her as a queen of darkness as well. So I think we've officially lost all three queens of darkness at this point. But once she starts talking about that, Maleficent's like, or Lily's like, well, you're, you're a pushover. Uh, and she calls her, does she call her Annie Hall? Did you pick that up? Yeah, she did. Okay, good. I was, I hope it's, I hope it wasn't like Andy Hall and it was a reference that I missed, but I'm, I, I, I mean, Maleficent <laughs> was wearing, was wearing a Diane Keaton esque, uh, pantsuit there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, just hopefully, uh, I know they're in Maine, but there are hopefully no lobsters involved <laughs> on this episode. Uh, I don't know. We have to have a scene by the harbor. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. So, so yeah, they. they I mean, um, Lily kind of, again, much like Emma reverted back to her teenage uh, years when she was fighting with her parents. Lily did much of the same thing as Maleficent, and she kind of storms out here and so maleficent actually goes to the charmings to ask for their help so i'll say overall kurt how do you feel about this whole like maleficent sort of redemption story the fact that she's not even like harboring that much ill will towards these people and she's actually recruiting them for help do do you enjoy it i kind of like seeing the softer side of maleficent i I, I wish i hesitate to call it a redemption story because she hasn't really done anything to redeem herself other than just kind of to stop carrying a grudge like she i mean and it's like she's not she's like i'm not working for gold anymore um she it's almost like she just decided to put all of her focus like she it's basically what what, what changed the change was she learned that her daughter was still alive and when she learned that she just kind of chose to stop carrying a grudge and just kind of became bearable um so I, I, and I kind of like it. I mean, I like that she, the first thing that she says when the Charmings open the door to Charming Central is, you know, I'm not here to kill you. And David's like, okay, um, good. Yeah, poor, uh, I, I gotta say also, David is pushed to the, like, David is kind of crapped upon this episode because it's all about, like, the Mary Margaret Emma relationship. David, David is just kind of an afterthought of, like, oh yeah, and your dad's there too. That's true. It's like, we don't see, I think even looking back at the last couple episodes, when you've seen tension between Emma and her parents, it's primarily been Emma and uh, Mary Margaret leading the emotional charge there in the relationship. Yeah, she's definitely being pulled to both of them, but I think Mary Margaret kind of takes the brunt of it. Uh, we saw, you know, where I think you know Emma gets back to Storybrooke and gets out of the cards in this episode. It's primarily that Mary Margaret snub that that we see. We don't really see her reacting to David at all. And he's just kind of getting the, the byproduct of it. But it's prim- primarily Mary, Mary Margaret who's uh, getting the hate. Yeah. And it's weird because, I mean, I guess the Mary Margaret hate might make sense because she was the one that was primarily resp- like she was the one that was really leading the charge to get Maleficent's egg and send it away. But David was the one that was leading the charge to spin this web of lies about it, uh, like Storybrook, which Emma was really pissed about, too. True. True. And yeah, it's and I was afraid that. Like I was wondering, because you know, Maleficent basically comes back to say, "Can you seal the borders to Storybrooke so that Lily can't leave town?" And 
I think this is really kind of the point where if the Charmings, if David and, and Mary Margaret had helped with that, then I think that would have been just like more fuel for Emma to be mad at them. Yeah, that's very true. All right. You know what? They could have just said like, hey, uh, let's let's put up another ice wall. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try that. Yeah. So they're driving. So they decide to help. They're driving around and they suddenly find a giant dragon in the middle of the road. And I know we we uh, there were a couple people uh, who I spoke reached out to in the past week or so that kind of actually went along with our initial theories that Lily was that wolf in the middle of the road. But no, it turns out that the yellow eyes is more of the dragon than the wolf at this point. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think that Lily was the wolf. Um but when her eyes turn yellow, this episode after the interaction with Regina, I part of me was wondering, oh snap, was she actually the wolf? Um, and then uh, turns out, no, no, she that that's that's those are dragon eyes. Yeah, there's uh, I guess yellow is just animal eyes in general, but no, those are specifically dragon eyes. Uh, yeah. But as as they take off for her, we get this nice little hook and emma scene which again very rarely seen this season just because they've been out doing their own things but uh this is where hook tells Emma for the umpteenth time to just suck it up and forgive your parents and this time it actually comes through to her yeah it's it is it are you wish they've, they've done a lot of good they're trying to protect you and uh, you know like i said you know before you were born they want to make you happy and after they found you they want to make you proud and you want both of those to fail uh this whole, this whole talk about your heart is uneasy and I'm here to protect it. Um, but it's not so much about, you know, you turning dark from your interactions with Lily, but more, you know what, it's, there's potential, the, the darkness is potentially there if she doesn't forgive her parents as well. So, yeah. And, and, then, and then there's rum. Rum fixes everything. I think the rum is really <laughs> the key because I feel like yes. they, they, everyone and their mothers has told Emma that for the past like four weeks and Emma hasn't exactly. listened to a word of it. But I think the rum really got to her. What was different about this interaction? Rum. <laughs> yep. Ab- rum is the key to any negotiation, but it gives Emma at least enough vigor to help out. And she does in the nick of time as uh, the other three find the dragon just chilling in the meadow. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out what happens here because <laughs> Mal- Maleficent runs forward, which is understandable. She wants to embrace her daughter. Uh, Mary well, Margaret runs. I'll inf- oh, go ahead. Well, first of all, it's like it looked like the dragon crashed. Like I was trying yeah. to figure out. Well, literally. and they talk about how, like, if she like clips her wing or something, she could be in trouble. Right, and then they find her kind of in the field, and I had thought that that's what had had that she had crash landed, and and Maleficent was running forward to see if she was okay. But then, yeah, then your point is, yeah. So Maleficent runs to her to see if she's okay. Mary Margaret, you initially think is running after her, but she runs ends up running in front of her which is how she gets whacked by this tail and i'm just confused as to why she would even do that whatsoever yeah no i was i was wondering the exact same thing it's like you know lily and and it's it's really she she really puts on an extra burst of speed to get in front when lily starts freaking out (laughs) yeah which is like oh great she's agitated perfect let me run faster even even though i'm completely unarmed exactly and then the Lily's tail lashes out and Emma go, or Mary Margaret goes flying and bangs her head on a rock. Yeah, for all that, like, they'd be like, oh man, she hit her head pretty bad. Like, her, she hit her head on a rock. Like, I would think she, I mean, again, and, if this was like basic kibble once upon a time, she'd be like thrown into a tree or something. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, this is a scene I did see in some previews. And I was like, so I'm seeing this coming from, from, from quite a ways away. And, uh, 
which which didn't which I didn't enjoy. I was like, don't give away like potentially major plot points in the previews, but that's like you know editing one on one, I guess. Um, yeah, and then we cut to scary commercial break. I think the first thing that happens when we come back is that Emma's there and she heals the wound with a wave of her hands. Yep, and she heals the wound both externally and internally. Uh, and yeah. she, she heals the wound and she's like, oh, now that you're awake, I forgive you, by the way. Yeah, it just took some rum. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, this this I thought was, I would say, you know, Deus Ex first aid kit. And that right there was like just the... Oh, just convenient. She just fixes it, and that storyline is now healed. Also, yeah, <laughs> I it, don't know. it is. No, it seems like everything has been patched up, which is weird again, since Emma has been in in real in our time. She's been brooding for over a month about how much she hates her parents, and now just with a a talk from Hulk, she's like, "All oh, right, uh, yeah, uh, we're good. Don't worry." Not just a talk from Hulk, Mike. The rum. rum. The rum is the rum <laughs> is the key here. And Maleficent and Lily have their own talk, and I, I really yeah. enjoy this as well because I think Lily is able to flesh out a little more about why she has been acting such like such a brat this episode about how you know she's uh, she, she Maleficent is so open to her that it kills her because she does you know she wants Maleficent wants a future together, but she destroys every relationship she's ever had. So we're going back to this whole like anti savior thing of of Lily feeling like no matter what she touches, it always crumbles. Um, but they, they end up making up at the end, or at least Maleficent is able to negotiate her into staying yeah. a week without any rum involved. So that's a win-win. Yeah. If, if, uh, Lily had done her research, she would have seen that. I think wasn't Emma just originally supposed to stay for a week in season one. Yeah, that's very true. She's like, I was, I was watching the season one DVD mom. And, uh, that's, you pulled that on. They pulled that on Emma too. I know you were a dragon underneath the library at this point, but that's what they ended up doing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it, that's what say. It seemed like as as much as I we didn't. I think I said we. I don't think we need to see as much of the flashback as we did. It seemed like a hurry up and wrap these. Like we we hurry up and wrap up those those final points on some of these storylines in this episode. And like I said, I think it's just um, again a classic case of getting everything wrapped up by episode twenty, so that the final episode or two can the final two hours can. Uh, tee up the next the next season. Yeah, I'm, and it's going to be interesting to see what Lily's story is now. You know, are they going to kind of the sort of habit of Once Upon a Time, with the exception of Robin Hood in season three, is kind of introduce people that are going to be in the story arc and then get rid of them by the end, whether they go through a door or whether they die or anything like that. And Lily has been told to stay a week. Do you think she might just cross over the town line again and leave her mother? I don't think she's going to leave her mother. I think the question is whether or not we're going to see Maleficent and Lily as characters in season five in Storybrooke, or if they're going to leave together to uh, potentially brave it out in the real world. But, but, but Maleficent can't. She's going to turn into a pile of dust. Is that what's going to happen to her? Yeah, she said it in this episode. Oh, because, yeah, okay. because you lose all magical power when you, enter, when you leave Storybrooke, since she's being literally held together by basically the magical version of uh, scotch tape at this point. If she steps over that line, she's going to turn back into that pile of dust that they brought together to bring her back to life. Just really has to carry an urn with her and just gather it. And she, they can still be together. Outside. Yeah. They, <laughs> and they can put the urn in the, in a Folgers uh, coffee can. There you go. Um, that's, that's true. I forgot about that. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe like, unless something happens to Maleficent, I'm just I'm just not sure. I can't I can't see Lily leaving town without her mom. 
but I can't see them both being here as permanent fixtures. No, I, and I, I agree. And not, and not vanishing. So unless something happens to Maleficent in the next episode, <clears throat> and then that kind of causes Lily to, I can see Lily sticking around. I just can't see Maleficent sticking around for some reason. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what sort of place they're going to have in the show as well, because I do feel like as, as kind of scattered as all the storylines are, I do feel like the, ensemble that they currently have has at least something to do every season yeah. and so fitting two more characters in might be a little tough maybe they'll retire to jefferson's nice palatial mansion in the very very outskirts of storybrook so they'll be kind of living their own life but not necessarily interacting because i think you know zelina is going to be locked up in the asylum yeah and we're not going to see no we're not going to hear from her uh it, it, you know apart from ultrasounds um so yeah, maybe there'll be some some place in the outskirts of town that they retire to. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, I I can't see so I can't see Lily I can't see Lily leaving Maleficent, um, but I also can't see them both being story fixtures. But yeah, I agree. Well, let's let's jump to the ending here. As we talked about before, once Regina's kind of come to her epiphany about what her happy ending is, her and Raman have a brief embrace, but the uh, author ends up sort of sort of double crossing them i i don't know if it's technically a double cross but he says like well i have my own idea about what's going on it turns out he's honestly he's more loyal to gold which makes sense because gold's been working with him for longer and kind of helped save him from being captured by the heroes so he ends up using the ink to write you know vanishing in a cloud of smoke the author slips away with the ink to where mr gold awaits and he gets there and gold uh, orders him to start writing and there's a brand new black book for him to write in called heroes and villains which uh kind of an unoriginal title there gold <laughs> yeah that, that was uh we've already had a when, when they name a season after when they name a book after a survivor season uh then then uh, i know you know that they're coming up with some unoriginal thinking yeah, but no, it's, i'm it's excited pretty... for, i'm excited for earth's last eden <laughs> yeah exactly um no, no, it's, yeah, it's kind of a generic title, but it's descriptive. Um, but I guess you could even say that, you know, once upon a time, uh, any, any fairy tale is kind of about heroes and villains. So it's kind of, yeah, kind exactly, of exactly. I, I, I'd go back though and challenge it. It's like that you say that, you know, the author goes back to gold cause he's more loyal to gold. I didn't necessarily get that sense. It was more of like, well, Regina's kind of doesn't need me anymore. Uh, so well, goal still needs me for something, so I'll go to him. Like I didn't, I didn't see him, uh, he, like any sort of like my loyalty to gold trumps my loyalty to Regina. So now I must go to him. I just thought I was like, well, uh, she doesn't have a need for me, and this ink's gonna dry. So uh, I guess I'll go see what he needs me for. Like it's, it's almost like like I earned I earned favor with Regina. Uh, I did what I was gonna do, which turns out it's gonna be nothing. So now uh, I'll go see if I can help gold out at all. Yeah, I guess I guess that's that makes sense. Again, he seems like much more of a freelancer than, than yeah. anything at this point. Like he could have just as easily just gone off on his own. Like you said, like I think we were, I think you and I were both somewhat expecting him to potentially be his own, do his his own business with 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 the ink. Um, but he like I think maybe he's like a a, a servant in need of a master. Um, yeah. So yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll see. But yeah, the so heroes and villains, and he writes starts writing once upon a time. And so I, I, I will say this. I think that the viewing public would have been severely disappointed if we hadn't seen the author write anything this season mm-hmm. or at all. So when we ended the Regina, Zoli, Regina Zelina storyline with him not writing anything, I was a little deflated until he goes back to gold 
and does start writing something. Because I think everybody who's watching wanted to see some sort of author writing magic happen in Storybook. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. And I, I, I mean, this might actually solve the problem that we brought up earlier about like, are things that aren't written in the book you know, do they do they still happen? Because I mean, he just wrote that again on like a loose leaf sheet of paper, and it still happened. Yeah, like what's the difference between you know, writing something down was that ex- experimental writing versus actually um, make, making something official, a canon, maybe in, in a book? I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see. But he's he's got a book and he's writing in it. Yep. So if you guys have any thoughts as to whether. Uh, Isaac is siding with one person or if he's just kind of out on his own or if you have some ways you want to uh, defend the the angsty stuff that was going on this episode or if you happen to remember what was going on with Korra in Wonderland you have a variety of ways to reach out to us as always you can leave uh, comments on this page Uh, you can always subscribe to the Once Upon a Time only feed on iTunes if you haven't as of yet uh, you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes for that you can always follow us on Twitter as well Kurt is at Kurt Clark I am at a Mike Bloom type now to wrap up we're doing things a little different for the season finale next week so to start off the season finale is two hours next sunday hopefully everything will be wrapped up we'll introduce some more stuff uh kurt and i are going to be recording that show on monday we want to take a good amount of time to take everything in read over materials um so and that's going to be a lengthy podcast because it's it's a two-hour episode but unlike the two-part episode last half season we're going to be doing that Altogether, so that should hopefully come out Monday night. But Kurt, do you want to talk about something that we might be doing after the season finale podcast? Well, I think yeah, we've we've now in less than a year we watched. I think we did marathon viewings as we alluded to of the first three seasons. Now we watch the season in its entirety, four seasons. We kind of ha- have time to talk about a season five in anticipation of it. A lot, lots to digest, lots to, to throw around. And so Mike and I were talking about doing a kind of a a series recap, either both in terms of questions about things that have gone on in the in the first four seasons and also looking ahead to what we can potentially expect from season five. So we do kind of want to do a uh, looking ahead show slash viewer feedback show. So uh, but again, it, this is this is largely going to, I think, be steered by the the listeners to our Once Upon a Podcast Uh so I'd say we, we definitely want to get feedback from you and get a feel for if there are any lingering questions out there or if this, this is something that you guys would like to see happen. Yep. So that's another, I'm, as I, I gave out our true handles about a minute ago, really, uh, we encourage you guys to reach out to us in the next couple weeks uh, between now and even when the finale ends and just you know let us know if you if you'd enjoy something like that uh i guess kurt said this is going to be really driven by you guys and i think speaking on behalf of kurt and myself i think if we tried to pile that stuff into our season four finale recap as well that would be very very long considering we'd have to talk about a two-hour episode and at the same time try to look ahead to what's coming and i think this would be a nice way as kurt said to really isolate you know you guys are great listeners out there and you're you always uh have great feedback for us throughout the weeks and we we'd love to talk to you guys more about what your theories might be what you thought about the season in general i'm sure we'll do some some comparisons between this and the half season and the other seasons we've had in the past so definitely in addition to feedback for this episode let us know if that's something that you guys are up for and uh much like sydney glass your wish will be 
our command. So to finish things up here, before we jump into the season finale, Kurt, do you have a hashtag for everyone who has made it through the podcast? Hashtag magic baby transfer. All right. I'm good with that. Uh, hashtag magic baby transfer. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's SFW. So hashtag magic baby transfer. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We'll be back with the Super Size Podcast next Monday talking about the season finale. And hopefully we'll be back sometime after that, uh, depending on what you guys have to say about it. So again, hashtag magic baby transfer if you've made it this far. And remember, if you need to get through any sort of negotiation, rum is the perfect way to, to, to soothe even the most surly savior. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.